we're coming to you live from the future Whoa, we're in but the somehow future also the past uh, who knows i'm Mackenzie. i'm liz and you're about to listen to our podcast uh and we just wanted to tell you a little bit of a little something uh going into season two we changed our name as you probably see on your podcast app <laughs> to wisteria gaze uh but we just wanted to let you know don't be shocked if you hear the old name because we <laughs> used to have an old name, but now we are Wisteria Gays. Uh, and you can find us on social media at uh, Twitter at Wisteria Gays, on Instagram at Wisteria Gays underscore, <laughs> underscore. Uh, or WisteriaGaze.com. So hit us up. That's Hell our new name. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. The minute you walked in, in the, the joint, joint I could tell you were a man, man of distinction. <laughs> I didn't know if we were changing the lyrics. Friend. Oh, sorry. You were a real desperate the housewife. You had those biceps. Ooh, that could be every ba- that could be every housewife. Exactly. Oh my gosh, Liz, and anyone else listening, welcome to Desperate House Dykes. Thank you. I'm going to ignore the everyone else listening and just pretend you were just talking to me. It's just you and me here. Uh, This is a show where we watch and discuss every episode of Desperate Housewives. Wives? I said that's so weird. Wives? Uh, And also, we're gay. We're so gay. (laughs) My name is Mackenzie. My name is Liz. And this week we're talking about season one, episode eight, Guilty. Guilty Gilmore Girls. Oh! <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I'm getting into it. I Gilmore said it. Girls. I I really liked this episode. I loved this episode. It was so fucking good. <laughs> uh, this episode premiered November 28th, 2004. Uh, it was directed by a guy named Fred Gerber, who directed episode six. So we talked about him. And I was actually very excited to tell you who wrote this episode, Liz. Yes, I remember you telling me that. It was written by a guy named Kevin Murphy. Okay. Do you recognize that name? Kevin Murphy makes me think of Ryan Murphy. It is Ryan Murphy's pen name. No, can you imagine? <laughs> um, this was so Kevin Murphy. His other big credits is that he wrote the music and lyrics for the musicals Reefer Madness and oh my God. Heather's the musical. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! So the guy that wrote Heather's the musical wrote this episode. I love Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness is a good musical. It's very I love, fun. I've never, I've never seen or heard Reefer Madness. Oh, it's but a blast. I love Heather's. Yeah. Heather's is good. Ugh. I could tell, because like, both of them are like weird, campy drama, so I could see that yes. influence happening in this episode of Desperate Housewives. Uh, hell yes. <laughs> yes, I was excited to tell you that. The episode title, We're Still Not on Sondheim. It comes from a Randy Newman song, apparently. Okay. I don't know. Um, and another thing that I think is really cool is that this episode, in particular, was the most watched episode of the entire season, premiering with 27.24 million viewers. I believe that. I think we talked a little bit about this. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if it was after. But, like, the way they ended last week with, like, that cliffhanger, I can I can understand that this is the highest, yeah. highest rated episode. Yeah. Because, um, or not highest rating, the episode with the highest ratings. Yeah. Because they left it on that cliffhanger and people wanted to tune in. They wanted to find out right away. They want to know what happened. So it was a good sode. Yeah. You ready to leap in? Oh, I'm 
already in my bathing suit. <laughs> Cannonball, baby. <laughs> we open on a holy Bible. And yeah, Mary Alice is like giving this monologue about sinning and guilt. And we see sort of like flashbacks of baby Brie. Yeah. And all the time she felt guilty in her life. It was kind of fun to see like a younger Brie. I'm so fascinated by her past. I want to know more about all... I'm so interested that she gave herself freckles as a child. And then lost them as an adult. Yes, yes. yes. So she must have physically put them on her body. Yeah. Um, I really like the ending Mary Alice quote that transitions us into the actual episode where she says the transgressions of her, meaning Brie, of her past was no comparison to what she was about to commit. So the thing that she's about to do right now is probably the biggest sin of her life mm-hmm. um, thus far. And it's all the Vandekamps. They're talking about what to do for Andrew. And Andrew suggests going to Canada and laying low until the Statue of Limitations is up. Wild. And and then it's pointed out, like, if she dies, she there's dies. no Statue of Limitations, man. There's, there's, yeah. just, you just killed somebody. I wrote, we have escalated so quickly from a simple neighborhood mystery to vehicular manslaughter. Yes. <laughs> Very quickly in this show. And then Brie essentially comes up with the idea to get rid of the car because they can't sell it. They can't have any trace of the car back to them. So it's easier to drop it off in like a bad neighborhood and let it get stolen because then they can maybe get even some insurance money out of it. Yeah, or... If for some reason the police find it, they could be like, yeah, how do you yeah. know he, who was driving it? Because it was stolen. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, like, I was shocked because that's a pretty good plan. I mean, I'm sure there's a way to, um, I'm sure it's not foolproof, but, like, I thought it was a good plan upon hearing yeah. it. Like, she was very, like, determined and articulate and kind She's of. very methodical. Dark. Yeah. It yeah. was very, like, straight and to the point. I was like, okay, okay, Brie. Like, I, I was very shocked at how, like. Uh, tight of a idea it was yeah I, w- I was thinking like it really shows the lengths that she would go to for her family yeah which i think sets up for like the later scene being so powerful sad. Yeah, yeah powerful that she like risks so much to protect someone who maybe doesn't deserve it in her eyes i don't know mm-hmm. it's very interesting i'm excited to get into that later yes yes and so everyone kind of agrees that that's the plan for now and mary alice uh, i liked this that she said she would worry about her guilt tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> don't we all <laughs> yeah i feel like everybody does that kind of yeah <laughs> like i was furloughed from my job and i quit this week and i went you know what i'll think of actually the consequences yeah. of quitting my job tomorrow i always say that's <laughs> a problem for later mckenzie yeah yeah <laughs> We get our little opening credits and quickly go to a uh, scene with Lynette, Susan, and Bree cleaning the scene of the crime while Mary Alice sort of monologues about how her suicide has sort of caused a domino effect of mm-hmm. violence on the lane, which I would agree with. Yeah, so <laughs> A lot I. of shit's popped off in the last couple of weeks since she died. I would just like to point out really quick... I think, like, we have the Edie Bicep watch on our Instagram. Yes. I think we should also have a Brie hat watch, because she is, again, wearing one of her fantastic hats. Her hats were wild this episode, like, later when she's showing up to the soccer field wearing that hat. She's wearing a lot of very funny, strange hats. I'm just saying, let's just start it and build it. I'll do it. I will go back through all the episodes so far and Uh, find the Brie hats, because they are extensive at this point. Thank you so much. I never noticed... (laughs) I thought, so the first shot with her bending down, and I thought it was hoobs just because of the oh, yeah. hat. Like, I don't know. It's very, it's a very, like, mommy, not yeah. mommy, mom-ish 
you know, no, who's your mommy, hat. Mackenzie? Who's your mommy? Who's your mommy? Best scene in Scooby Doo too. So. I also thought it was interesting, and we don't have to spend too much time on it. We can just mention it. Um, that the fact that they had Brie cleaning up a crime, basically, like, in the street, and they didn't do anything with that. Like, we got a couple episodes ago her talking about when she was a kid, her cleaning up her dead mother's blood in the road after the car accident. And to have no resurgence of, like, emotions or anything for Brie, I feel like that just means the writers maybe weren't paying a- a- attention I, I didn't think about that until you said that. Like, I truly didn't make that connection. But, like, yeah, that's what she said she did the night her mother died, which clearly mm-hmm. is, like, a traumatic event for her that's, like, caused this, like, so much in her life. I was, I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about it until you made that connection for me. And now my mind's a little bit blown by you, Liz. <laughs> Mind blown. But also, yeah, why didn't they do anything with that? In terms of, like, traffic-related incidents. Because, like, also, yeah. like, if Carlos is mom dies like that's the exact yeah. same way her mom died mm-hmm. like i just feel like there's maybe hopefully maybe they'll unpack it in future episodes but like i feel like there's something to mine there if another episode sets up like hit and runs kind of being a trigger in Bree's past yeah. i yeah i hope i don't know i feel like there's something there that i wish yeah. that, i hope i wish and i hope the writers take a bite into Yes, yeah, so do I. Like a big juicy apple. A big juicy apple. And we find out Mom is in a coma. Yeah. A car kind of speed pasts, and Lynette throws a scrubber, being like, hey, slow the heck down. And the very gay moment, I'd like to chuck Susan in the bucket right I agree. off the bat. Oh, I totally agree. She tells Lynette that she's a really good pitching arm. The and way she, she looks, said it. The way she said it, the way she looks at her. Susan, I'm just saying... Just chuck her in that bucket. I'll, I will agree with that chuck. I also put, like, Lynette as well. Cause, yeah. Cause, uh, but I think that Susan more so was like, that's quite a pitching arm. I was like, okay, girl, baseball's gay. I, I fully agree. I don't think Susan... We've had a lot of nominees that are looking at Susan. But yes. this time it's Susan looking it's at Susan. somebody else. Yes. I love those tasty little gay crumbs. Ugh. We see that Lynette is pissed. Like, Lynette yeah. is, like, very... It's, like, honestly... I mean, I guess, obviously, there's different circumstances surrounding Brie right now, because her son <laughs> did it. But, like, Lynette is how mad I would expect Brie to be. Yeah. Uh, because she's like, we have kids. We are, we have people in this neighborhood. Like, people can't be speeding around like this. And, and like, I hope that person gets put away for life. And, and Brie is like, don't you think that's a little extreme? And Lynette's like, fuck no, dude. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. I'm sure Lynette's emotions are heavily um, yeah. influenced by her like state of mind right now. But I was like, I think that her anger is pretty valid. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, especially if you're like someone who has kids that might be running around the front lawn and blah, blah, blah. Things like that, yeah. you know? And then we cut to the hospital. Mama mm-hmm. Solis is in her coma. Uh, Carlos is by her side. He's very upset. Gabby's yeah. in like this tracksuit, just filing her nails. She doesn't really care about the situation as a whole. She's nope. not really trying to make it seem like she cares. No, which is wild. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Carlos isn't really paying attention to it, anyways. No. We've talked about this time and time again. He's really unaware of his surroundings, so I feel like. She knows that about him in this situation. So she doesn't feel like she has to put in the work. Yeah, and he's so focused on, like, his mother. Like, she's all he sees right now. Yeah. Um, and then John shows up. I wrote, boy, go home. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you there? He feels guilty. I mean, you can see it I mean, on his yeah. face. Like, and we get into it there. later a lot about his guilt for it. And he gives his condolences and gives Carlos a hug. Yeah. And I wrote, the look on my face was the same as Gabby's. Yeah. <laughs> it's that shock 
And I don't know. I, you know, Carlos was like, hey, I'm going to go pray. And I think Gabby was like making kind of like eyes at John being like, oh, I'll stay here, assuming he would stay with her. But he left to go pray with Carlos. And I yeah. loved it. I was like, so yes. did I. Juicy drama. Uh, and then the, there's a small bit where the nurse is like, do you want to give mama a sponge bath? And Gabby's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Which comes back later. So it's important yes. to know, you know. And then we see our girl, the Hoobs. We see her. It's her special day. Special day? Oh, it's no. her special day. <laughs> because she's here. She's packing. Uh, she's going on a trip. She's going to go see her sister for a couple days. Yeah. yeah. Also, I wrote, Liz, did you see the decor in her house? There's like a wall behind her that just is like a bookshelf of like animal figurines it was very weird not. looking can, can you can you also put that on our instagram story <laughs> i can okay. it's super weird looking. are we starting a new instagram story section that's just weird things in the background we absolutely should okay like the mannequin <laughs> from a couple episodes ago yeah, the fucking tv i didn't talk about it but there was an episode where tom and lynette we're talking in the background tv there was like weird like 90s computers and fax machines <laughs> it's so weird uh, but yeah, so I will I will find that photo for you. Hell yeah. Edie walks in and asks for the Hoobs' purse, and then they get into, like, this hilarious, like, roommate fight. Dare I say a lover's quarrel? A lover's quarrel, Liz. Because I told you this. You told me this in confidence. And, I like, told you this in confidence. And you don't I'm have to just... say it out loud if you don't want to, but no, like, okay. this is a safe space. I, I want to nominate. It's a left-field nominee. Hoobs for lesbian of the episode. Only because this feels like a lover's quarrel. Yeah. She calls Edie her best friend in a way that felt very yeah. sapphic to me. I wrote all caps, they're best friends. They're best friends. And, I, and then also this shirt is kind of gay to me. It's like weird yeah. gay mom cowboy vibes. And also, um, if you're listening to this episode, you probably know what the end will be. And this is the Hoobs' last episode yeah. to be eligible for lesbian of the episode. And that makes me sad that we're losing our hoopsie, but maybe we can immortalize her as our, like, our dyke for this episode. Yes, the hoops. I love her so much. And we still get more time with her before we lose her, but yes. I was like... Before she goes to her sister's house, if you just listen to the show and don't watch, don't watch <laughs> the actual show, she <laughs> goes to her sister's house later and we lose her and she gets wink, recast. Wink, wink, uh, <laughs> But... Yeah, I'm like, this is her last episode. She's eligible. I want to just chuck her in the bucket because... I mean, like, I'm comfortable with just having her be lesbian of the episode this early. It's her special day. Let's do it. It's her special day. I also didn't have any other nominees on my We're also in full Hoobs cosplay for this recording. I just want everybody to know. Full Hoobs cosplay. I I wish you all could see my hair. Yeah, our hair looks incredible. I love her. We both do. All right, let's just go ahead and say it. We're like 10 minutes in. Yes. Hoobs is the lesbian of the episode. Yes. Edie and the hoobs. Hoobs, hoobs, hoobs. Uh, but basically they have this fight about the fact that they kind of steal stuff back and forth. It's, I mean, honestly, if you've lived with a roommate, this probably feels familiar. <laughs> um, and I wrote, I love this scene so much because I think that the thing about these two actresses that make them so magnetic to me is that they're so funny. They deliver their lines so well. I just, like, them together is, like, electric to me because I just find yeah. them both to be really enjoyable actresses to watch on screen. Of course. Is that weird? No. Uh, I just love them so much. I love those characters together. And then we cut to Lynette Scavo getting acupuncture 
done to her face. All of her boys are in the lobby making a making a mess, being rowdy. We see the baby for once in a while. Yeah, she hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, and we have to see the other boy. Yeah, both of the kids made a, that like haven't been around for like five episodes made a return. And basically, like she's trying to relax because she's been having trouble sleeping because of the medication she's been taking and trying to wean off of. Yes, and basically near the end of the scene, she comes clean about this to her mm-hmm. acupuncturist and. She is like, do you have anything you could give me? <laughs> anything at all. And this woman gives her, like, an herbal remedy that's supposed to help her sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically that scene. Also, if anyone's considering acupuncture, my friend Liz said it. Not my friend Liz. That's you. That's me. My friend Lauren, similar letters, said that it changed her life. So. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently it's really good. I've never done it, but she says it, like, fully changed her life. So. I've gotten a massage once. Ugh. I need a massage. So it was bad. so good. I got very sick shortly after, but <laughs> but the massage itself I was good. I think so it just bad. unlocked unlocked my sick my sick bones cuz <laughs> I was I was too loose. I was too open after it. <laughs> um but that's the gist of that scene, really. Yeah. And then we cut to Susan visiting little Mike. And he's looking dirty. He's looking sweaty. Okay, his arms were so buff. Mm-hmm. And I, Rachel knows this about me, and she thinks it's very funny, but I say, I love a hunk. I don't know why, like, in movies and TV, I love a hunky dude. I just, I don't know why. And I was like, Mike is a hunk. Like, yeah. I was just like, those arms, I was like, I have not noticed the buffness of his arms. And I was like, I know this podcast, the whole love- basis is that I'm a lesbian, but yes. I love a hunk. I can't I was gonna. It. I was gonna say, I love, like... I love a twink that has some hunk in them. Mm, a twonk, <laughs> you know? if you will. A twonk, if you will. Yeah. Can I also, I wrote down, <laughs> Mike in this muscle tee kind of looks like Liz. Because <laughs> you wear muscle tees so much. I'm wearing then, one right now. Literally. And I was like, LOL, that Liz does Mike cosplay all the time. <laughs> Liz, you're a hunk, you know? Listen, oh, hunk of the month. Hunk well, of the well, month. <laughs> That's me. I'm coming out with a calendar soon. <laughs> uh, but the basically, they look so happy. Susan looks very cute. They set up a little bit of a wine tasting date. And Dinner, dancing, wine grabbing tasting. Grabbing a room. Ooh, I wrote, have they not fucked? I, I don't think they have. I think they've Sorry to be vulgar. <laughs> no, well, they're going to fuck later, so <laughs> let's get into it. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> For this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, they're, like, kind of, it, it was kind of cute the way they were dancing around it. Like, they feel very nervous but excited to maybe have yeah. sex for the first time. And, you know, like, if you're really attracted to somebody, that's how it is. You're, like, nervous yeah. and you're excited to just have sex with them if that's something that you're interested in and so it's like i, I just thought it was really endearing it's i don't so know it's so sweet i, it a lot. I told so you cute. i like mike more and more every episode i see him once again like I, I said it last episode like there's so many feelings i never felt before i'm investing in the show a lot more yeah. now that we're doing such a deep dive and i'm like enjoying the men more <laughs> i'm like letting myself enjoy them more like i'm liking john tucker a lot more i'm liking mike <laughs> a lot more than i ever did um he's he's a good guy but you know, gets a little gets a little shaky in this episode because yeah. he goes upstairs and Susan uh, is gonna get a treat for Bongo. She opens up to find his wads of cash and his gun, and she starts yes. f- freaking out and spiraling. Yes, and basically, like he comes back, she closes the cabinet, 
and he's on the phone. He needs to let somebody in, but he's not going to be home for it. So Susan kind of offers to get the keys and let the guy in with maybe some ulterior motives. Maybe she's going to oh, snoop sure. a little bit more. She's definitely going to snoop a little bit more. Yeah. And I know she looked panicked, but she looked really hot. <laughs> like right there yeah. when she was looking very determined and stressed. It's like, I remember the first time I watched this show, I loved Susan. She was, I think, my favorite housewife. And when we started this podcast, I was like, I don't understand why, because, like, Lynette is so great, and, like, mm-hmm. Brie. And this episode, I started remembering why, why I loved love Susan. Susan so much. Because <laughs> there's some sprinklings of it, but, like, I just, I love Susan She's so great, much. yeah. Season one Susan is very, very good. So then we cut to Brie and Rex. They are putting the car in the neighborhood, and... They're watching over it to make sure it gets stolen. Yeah, basically. And I feel like it's pretty short. We come back to it. Yeah, we come back to that scene because they cut away to Paul watching a home movie of Mary Alice and he's crying. Um, I thought this actor did a really great job this episode, actually. Like, I thought his... He's very good at playing, like, very heavy emotions. Um, He's talking to Mr. Shaw about how, basically, he's going to kill Edie. And I was like, holy shit, it's happening. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, He says, you know... Edie thinks that Mr. Shaw is a real estate developer and he's made contact, which we saw in the last episode. And Paul was like, hey, can you just ask her why she did this before you kill her? And Mr. Shaw said, you can't because you can't lean into that curiosity because, quote, curiosity leads to guilt and guilt leads to talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of tells him, like, once I leave, there's no refunds. Like, she's gone. And Paul's like, that's cool. Yeah. That's kind of the whole scene. But I was like... He was crying at the TV, and I, I thought it was really impactful and sad. But yeah. once again, I wish he would just literally... It's like, it's stationery that's sold at multiple stores in your area. Like, I just hate that he's just immediately he's going jumping. going this one piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Hey, it's more dramatic, and we're watching a TV show, so... Yeah. And then we cut back to Rex and Bree. They're still waiting for the car to get sol- stolen. And she starts thinking about the kids... And how when they were younger, like, everything was easier. (laughs) Yeah. I like that she was like, we should have been better parents to them. (laughs) Yeah. Because I like that she kind of has that self-awareness of, like, there are things that they could have been better at as parents. Which we talked about a little bit last episode, how we felt like they weren't as present with Andrew as they needed to be. And now Mm -hmm. I have a lot of different opinions about Andrew because of this episode. Yes. He fluctuates so much for me. but He does. Yeah, I, I, I liked, I don't know, Brie felt so down-to-earth and realistic in this episode for me, and I, I liked how she was like, we could have been better parents, and I really, really want him to understand the severity of what he did. Yeah. Because, like, we're protecting him, but he needs to understand this doesn't mean that we're, like, happy with what he did. Yeah. And Rex is like, how do you, how do, like, they kind of agree, like, how do you punish a kid who almost killed somebody? Like, yeah. how do you even punish that? And kind of ends the scene with saying like you know no matter what i still love them even if i am very stressed out right now and we see that the car gets stolen and then we cut to susan telling julie about the money because susan tells julie literally everything everything about her life and they're joking about how he could be a hitman Uh, but she's still going out with him yeah but also she doesn't mention the gun is she trying to protect julie or did she just not notice the gun i'm very confused yeah. I would have been more stressed out about the gun than... Because, like, later it seems like she is surprised to find the gun. Yeah. Like, I don't... Because it was right there underneath the money. Maybe she just didn't see it. Yeah. 
I also think it's so weird, like, I said, Julie once again being very blunt about her mother's sex life. Yes. Uh, I wrote it down, too. Yeah. Being like, you need to get laid, lady. I was like, this is your your mother. Like, that's their relationship is very strange. Um, Yes. But I still love it. I wrote, I am a Julie Stan first and a human second. Yes, obviously. I love her so much. Andrea Bowen, if you ever listen to this and you want to come on, please, please reach out. We love you. (laughs) Please. I just, I love Julie. Like, I, like, it is a treat for me whenever we get to see her on screen. And basically, she says a really cute line of like, I want things to work out with you and Mike because when I have a husband, I don't want you living with us. And (laughs) you know something funny? I used to be so attached to my mom for some reason that I was like, Mom, when I get married, we're like we're living in the same house. Like I want to <laughs> stay with you. I don't want to live with some like a husband or anything. And my mom was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "I'll just like put." I was like, "I'll just put a a house in the backyard <laughs> so we have separate houses, but we're still together." Like I was like convinced that when I married my husband, I would still live in my mom's backyard because I didn't want us to be apart. Um, so that's kind of what that reminded me of. <laughs> and yeah, it looks like Julie is leaving with Carl for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So get a little, get a little Julie out the house. Yeah. And then we cut to the Vandekamps at the Solis house. Yeah. They're really just, it seems like they're trying to get info. They're trying to yeah. see how mama's doing. Carlos brings up kids mm-hmm. and he's talking about how like children make everything worthwhile in the end. He says that him and Gabby are starting a family soon, which is much to Gabby's surprise. Oh, for sure. She looks very shocked by that statement. And they say this in the show that it is a conversation that they've had before they got married is like, we're not going to have kids. Mm -hmm. But it could have been also because Carlos seems like he's very dead set on now wanting kids. And I know sometimes people change their minds. But Gabby really isn't. So it could have been, even before they got married, a conversation where he was just saying things to get her to be with him. Yeah. And, like, he talked a lot about, like, legacy as well. Legacy, of like, yeah. And I think that that's something that's important to, like, a very masculine dude like that. Like, knowing that, like, you know, you've passed your genes on to this other person and that they're going to carry on after you. And maybe he's thinking about mortality in that sense of, like, if mama dies, like he can carry on that name and he wants someone else to also be a Solis so that mm-hmm. the Solis line doesn't just die out with him. Like, yeah. I-, I understand that. Like, yeah, I like, I-, I think, I think it makes sense. Um, I feel like it's a very um, common theme with like dudes on TV shows. Yeah. I did love the line. We're not negotiating my uterus. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, but I also, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's not, invalid for him to want children yeah but i think that there are people who don't want kids yeah and if you i think that is something that's very important that you should really be set on before you marry somebody is i think that like yeah like the type of lifestyle you want and if you want kids are like huge and if you're if you're different on kid, i don't know i just feel like kids not wanting them and wanting them i just feel like that's yeah. such a deal breaker like how can you both be happy there's no middle ground there you know what i mean like so i think it's a it's a good example of the fact that they got married a little too quickly 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get the Van de Camps leaving, and Andrew kind of plays off the hit and run by being like, oh, I'm off the hook. And him and his sister do like a weird high five, like fist bump thing. And Brie looks on and she's horrified. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah, I was horrified watching that. I could not believe. And, and we, we, yeah, it, it, we get into it more later, but I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you could see this like grieving man whose mom is in the hospital and you're like hell yeah i'm off the hook yeah andrew is a smarmy motherfucker in this episode we see that lynette is trying to get a little bit of sleep she took her tea and she's trying to get some rest i liked her under the blanket going go to hell go to hell go to hell (laughs) i thought that was funny uh we see that the cub scouts who i guess her sons are a part of are having a meeting at the house today and she forgot about it and she's trying to engage and participate with this other mom. And she is just passing out, trying to trying to stay al- alive yeah. and awake. And it looks like she takes some more medication. And that's on top of the herbs. And I was like, oh, I'm sure mixing that's going to go well, Lynette. Yeah. I wrote, <laughs> Which, Jesus. Yeah. So it's like these counteractive things in her body. That, there's no way that's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to Susan. She's looking at that money. Oh, I wrote... Susan goes into snoop mode. Yeah. May I say Detective Suze? Detective Suze. <laughs> She's on the case, Detective She's Suze. She's on the case. She's picking up the, the hat that the Hubes dropped. Yeah, and she says, I will put this detective hat on. Yes. We have to have at least one detective at all times. Yes. She's counting um, all the money. Why is she doing that? Mm-hmm. Why is she's she- counting all the money, and she picks up the gun like she's looking at it for the first time, which makes me think that it was just a con- continuity error earlier Probably. in the episode. I'm just confused why she is counting all of the money. Because she's a comedy queen, and it helps with the next scene, where yes. the guy who she has to let in needs to give her a receipt, so she starts stuffing the money in her jacket and stuffs the gun there. I wrote, Susan, no! Because for some reason I forgot what was going to happen. She ends up going upstairs and she Mm -hmm. dumps all of the money into a sink. And for some reason I forgot what happened here and I thought the money was going to fly out the window. But that really is not what happened at all. all. She jumps from... The tub she stands on to look out the window. She sees the man leaving. She jumps from the tub onto the floor, and then the floor gives out, and she's stuck. Classic <laughs> Avatar. Classic Avatar Zuko stuck in a hole. Not Zuko. Sokka stuck in a hole moment. Um, she. I wrote. She. I said. Why is Susan the best? A comedy queen. Yeah, the physical comedy of Susan. I. I think I maybe wrote this note. No, I wrote it now. How is she, is she being stabbed? Like, did she, like, surely broken wood would be stabbing into her. Like, what, I also don't know how she was stuck. Like, couldn't she just kind of wiggle and fall through the bottom? I was confused how she was stuck, I guess. But then I was also like, is she just being stabbed? Is that why? Who knows? So Susan falls through this floor and she's yelling for help and little Bongo comes up and he can't help. (laughs) She tries to get him to and... Yeah, I think she's she's just stuck for now. Yeah. And then we get Gabby going up to a house that John's working at. She just wants to talk to him. There's nobody home, but she knows that. And she's basically, like, whisper yelling at him for coming to the hospital. Like, what were you thinking? And he tells her that he wants to end it. And he feels bad, he can't sleep, and he wants to try with uh, Danielle. Yeah, he talks about, like, the guilt he feels, and, and she's like, it's not our fault. And he's like, she wouldn't have been there if we weren't having an affair. And I'm like, that's yeah. valid. 
Um, and he's allowed to feel guilty. He's a fucking 16 year old who inadvertently is responsible for someone getting ran over. Like, yeah, he's allowed to feel his feelings. I, I, you know, he was like, I need a clean break. And I was like, that's relatable. <laughs> like, I feel like I've been in situations like that where I'm like, I don't want this to drag on. I just, I need a clean break from this relationship, this friendship, this situation. Like if it begins to hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah. And weigh on you, you just got to cut it out. And so I, I don't know. I just was like, it's funny to me that there's such an age difference between them. Right. And like, I think that John is showing a lot more maturity than Gabby in a lot mm-hmm. of senses, even though he is the teenager in the situation, you know, him really interrogating the guilt he feels about mama, as well as ending the relationship and focusing on like an actual relationship and his work. I was just like, wow, I'm actually impressed with like the maturity John yeah. is showing, I guess as a, as a young man. And then we find out at the end of the scene that he told the priest at the hospital church everything that happened. He confessed. And Gabby seems nervous about it, which can't priests not tell anybody that? Like, they can't, right? Yeah, no, they're they're not allowed to. I mean, like, that'd be, they'd be an awful priest. I went to a Catholic high school, and, uh, yeah, like, that's, you don't, priests have a, it's like doctors, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you don't say stuff that people confide in you um i think that like you know i mean i'm sure i don't know any priests personally i'm sure they probably make their own judgments in their head but their job is to remain like object like objective to it hear it tell them what they need to repent and then try to help ease up someone's conscience and and and, you know and 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 make sure they get into heaven and you know i mean like i'm not a religious person but like like that yeah. yeah like gabby i was just like no that he, like the priest isn't gonna tell anybody but also i was like is john catholic yeah that was confusing to me i have no idea then we get back to susan uh still stuck in the floor uh somehow bongo has a dead bird yeah i was gonna say it's like a dead crow is it like an omen? I don't know. <laughs> but that's basically just what happens that's there. That's it. The whole scene. Yeah. And then we cut to Bree and Andrew. Ooh, and scene. Yeah. Bree suggests maybe talking to a professional uh, for him. And he makes this comment about being like, what do you think? I'm crazy. Which going to therapy does not mean. Does not mean you're crazy. Yes. She's just very worried that he doesn't feel anything after putting a woman in a coma. And she says this phrase where she's like, I need to know you're not a monster. Yeah. And I was like, he is saying some fucked up shit. Like, he was like, yeah, I feel bad that I hit her. uh, But I also feel bad that my car is dinged because someone was too dumb to look both ways. And I'm like, you were drinking and driving. You were speeding. Like, you cannot blame her for this. Because he tries to call her a monster. And I'm like, that's not, that's not. No, it, I mean, Brie was really rightly horrified by him yeah. being like, I'm more upset that my car got fucked up. It's like the fact that he values like his car over a human life is wild. And and she even was like, I'm not convinced you have a soul. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, I love it. She was like, are you Lucifer? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he says another fucked up thing where he's like, you know, she's old. She's lived her life. If I go to jail, I don't get to live mine. And it's like, you, then you should have thought about that before you. Did you it. made the choice to drink and drive. Yeah. I, I feel like I sound like an after-school special uh, being like, <laughs> don't smoke the devil's lettuce, kids. Or you'll, yeah, but, but truly, like, I was shocked, but I also sadly know this is how a lot of, like, young white men feel. They do not care about anyone else's life but their own. 
And yeah, I mean, and like, and it's not just young white men, but that like, I feel like that is, is popular amongst that group of people. Like, I mean, especially teenagers, they just, he just doesn't have the brain development to understand like what he's saying is horrendous. Yes. And yeah, Brie was like, tell me why I shouldn't call the police. And he's like, as you said, because you'd be the monster. And I'm like, mm, maybe not, bro. Maybe maybe yeah. you're being a pretty terrible person. Yeah. This was a, a very wild. I thought it was a great scene. Oh, I was yeah. shocked. I was like, whoa, this is like it like it was a I feel like obviously I've seen this show before, <laughs> but this scene like made my jaw drop. I was like, holy shit. It was very yeah. well written. Then we cut to Mike. He's back home. Find Susan in the hole. He's kind of <laughs> laughing. He helps her out. And then he sees the money and the gun in the sink. And his mood shifts, which is understandable. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's calling her out for going through his cabinets, which he it's his cabinets. Like, what if she wanted a snack or something? You've made it not hard to find. Find, yeah. Like, um, but basically, like, he tells her to get out. And he's, like, angry. Yeah, he's livid, dude. Mm -hmm. And then we transition to Shaw preparing for the murdering of Edie Britt. (laughs) He's having a meeting with her. One of my notes is just, Edie should fuck more. Uh... (laughs) Oh, Liz. That leads into a fun fact I kind of have in a second. Really? Yeah, actually. Okay. But I also noted for myself, because I, like, freaked out when I saw this. Edie shows up. Her license plate says Eagle State. Did you notice that? I didn't. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And so I looked it up. I Googled it. And I guess Fairview, our our town of Fairview that this show is set in, is set in a fictitious state called Eagle State, apparently. That cannot be true. It is. You are lying to me. So I guess if you are like, telling a lie. <laughs> and I'll, it was very funny on the Wikia. Um, people have gone to, I love Desperate Housewives fans, they've gone to extensive lengths to try to figure out where in America Eagle State is. Oh, my God. Um, it, it's all, you know, not, not it, it's just continuity errors across the board. There's nowhere to really tell where it is. But I didn't realize that not only is the city fictitious, but the whole state, the real 51st state of America is Eagle State. I don't state. believe you. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I still don't after all of that. But, yeah, I just was like, what? I saw Eagle State and, lo- and just went on a whole... That's- I also so wrote wild. Edie saying pussyfoot, my new ringtone. Yes, yes. But something very important happens in this scene. We find out that the stationery she uses, she steals from her roommate, the hooves. The hooves. And Shaw goes, oh, crap, I can't kill this woman. <laughs> yeah, which I'm glad. I'm glad yes. he didn't do a like, well, I got paid for this, so I'm glad yeah. he was a person and didn't yeah. kill an innocent woman. But also, I have to say, fun fact, because you just said Edie should fuck more, in my book, Behind Closed Doors, apparently Mr. Shaw and Edie fucked. What? Yeah. So there was a deleted scene. I think it's on the DVDs, so I have to find it. But I found oh, it in yes. my book. Apparently in their meeting, like after they met, they talk about the development of the land that they were, you know, meeting for. Well, that makes sense because they met at the cowboy bar, so they fucked after that. They, they apparently they leave together, and Nicolette Sheridan says she remembers the scene vividly because it was her. It was like a seventeen-second scene of her exiting a bathroom in a motel room in lingerie, high heels, and a Hermes whip, which is like 
the horse riding kind that's like a long stick yeah. with the thing at the end. She was and she says, "Ready for round three? and then climbs on top of him, and they. <laughs> that was the whole scene. So technically, Edie and Mister Shaw fucked. Holy shit. I lost my mind reading that. And Liz, I cannot describe to you how badly I need to see that. I know. We have to do a whole mini-sode of when, us. Like, when we can get it. <laughs> Just talking about that 17-second yeah. scene. We'll, yeah, do Mark- a, we'll do a five-minute live stream on Twitch. <laughs> Please. Mark Cherry said in the book that they, it was cut for time. And also because they had a huge scandal surrounding Nicolette Sheridan before that, which I think I've talked to you off line yes. about. They did. And please look this up, everyone on YouTube, Please. if you have not seen it. They did a Monday night football ad that is basically just Edie completely naked in a locker room um, having sex with a football player. It's yeah. not like, it's not, you know, it's not graphic. They're not like having sex, no, but, but it's, it's very suggestive. They're about to have sex and then it cuts to like Lynette and Susan. And it's a funny, it was a funny ad. Um, it went on Monday night football, got a ton of backlash and they pulled it immediately. But then all of the news outlets talking about the scandal ended up working in Desperate Housewives' favor and getting yeah. them a lot of stuff. And I bet you that's another reason why this episode was, like, so oh, highly definitely. watched. Because Mark Cherry said that right before this episode aired was when the commercial got pulled. Holy shit, um, yeah. And so that was a huge reason why they cut the scene of her having sex with Mr. Shaw, because they didn't want to piss people off. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But also, they should have known that in, like, what... 16 years, some lesbians would need to see that scene. Of course, of course. So yeah, my new goal for my life is finding the DVDs so that I can see Edie with a Hermes whip in lingerie. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for letting me go on that tangent. I oh, had to share that with you. I had Of course, to it's important. It. <laughs> Anything to do with Edie and, and underwear is, is <laughs> highly important to my existence. And then we cut to Lynette and her kids. The monsters are playing little pots. I used to play pots as a kid. <laughs> Uh, the baby's crying. We have an actor in the scene, uh, meaning the baby. And Lynette lets loose. She starts screaming. She breaks a window. And through that window, a bright light happens. And Lynette looks and she sees Mary Alice. And Mary Alice hands her a gun. And Lynette puts the gun to her head, pulls the trigger, and we find out it was a dream. Yeah, that scene... Gave me chills. Yeah. I fully got chills. It, it's funny because it's such a different type of storytelling than we normally see in this show. Yeah. Like, it's more, like, so It was interesting. Yeah, and, like, dream sequency and weird. And they haven't done that before. No, and but it might have also been because of the drugs. she's on the drugs and the herbs. <laughs> yeah, and I just was, like, I don't know. I got, I got chills. I thought it was interesting because... Lynette is someone who in the pilot poses, like, how does someone even get so low to the point where they want to kill themselves? And mm-hmm. it looks like Lynette's finding out. And and it's like, yeah. And Simon and Garfunkel is playing. <laughs> the When she, she's putting the gun to her head, she's getting more, like, enraptured by the light. Yeah. I mean, she's exhausted. I, yeah. and, and I, I just thought it was so impactful and upsetting and beautifully done. Felicity Huffman's performance in this is incredible. Like... I would have given her the Emmy for this episode, not the pilot. Like, I was yeah. like, I was, yeah. Um, and another quick fun fact, I read online that originally this dream sequence was supposed to be Lynette driving her kids through the country, and then she just drives into a lake. 
Oh fuck. Yeah. And the 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 network was like, um, we don't want to see Lynette kill her children. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they changed it. And apparently that was inspired by an actual case from 1994 where a woman did that. Oh wow. She's incarcerated now. So you know, good. But yeah, the the network was like, uh, pull it back, pull it back. But uh, we still got a pretty dark scene, I would say. Yes. And then we go to Susan. She is trying to apologize to another dirty Mike. Mike's just dirty this whole episode. Yeah, this is where I wrote that (laughs) you looked like him to me. (laughs) And they're kind of like going back and forth a little bit. They're angry. They're both like, they both get pretty heated. Yeah, she wants to apologize and know if the date's off. And he's like, yeah, like what you did is a deal breaker for me. And I think she pretty rightly is like, dude, you're being shady as fuck. And you're not telling me things. And you're putting up these walls. And I just feel like I can't trust you. And he's like, cool, if you don't trust me, then we shouldn't be dating. And they mm-hmm. kind of just like, it's one of those fights where it, it, it escalates so quickly that the end comes before I think either of them realize. Yeah. Um, I thought the timing of that scene was really well Oh, done. yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. This is just a tight sewed, you know? It's such a tight sewed. And like... I really like the transition because we get Susan going home and she's running into uh, Lynette with all of her children and she's like, take my babies. I have to go. (laughs) Bye. And she basically just runs off. She gets in her car, she drives away and she goes to a soccer field. Yeah. You're right. That transition's so good. I like when they do transitions that are in the street. Yes. Like, like you see them leaving one house to go to another house. Like, I love... That was a great transition. Yeah. Yeah. And we see Lynette in the soccer field and she is just looking desolate and Mm -hmm. uh brie and susan arrive and they mentioned that they've left danielle to take care of the kids and i went i want to see that scene yeah (laughs) me too danielle trying to wrangle these rugrats um but brie and susan approach lynette and try to ask if she's okay and lynette is just catatonic yeah and that's all we get for this scene so far until we come back later but she just looks like i don't know like she she has hit rock bottom it's really sad yeah, and then we get Gabby talking to the priest in front of Mama. She brings up the affair. She's kind of asking the question you asked earlier, like, yeah. what is that rule about not talking to other people? Yeah. Trying to basically see if Father Crowley is going to blast her shit all over town. And he kind of implores, like, what I assume is correct. Like, I don't tell people things. Like, secrets Yeah, I feel like she doesn't me. believe him, too. I oh, feel like for sure. Yeah. And... He sort of implores to her that maybe she should confess and that maybe yeah. she should repent because, like, you know, in, in his belief in the Catholic religion, he's like, if you die and you have not repented for this mortal sin, like, you know, like, cheating on your spouse, a mortal sin, like, it's a pretty hefty one. Um, he's like, you, you'll go to hell. Like, that's, and, and, you know, once again, not my beliefs, but that is his. And he's like, mm-hmm. hey, um, just you know, like, if you don't repent for this, like, your soul is lost. And she sort of interrogates the how long she can procrastinate yeah. uh, confessing to this sin, which I found kind of interesting, I guess. And then the next scene that we have, we do cut back to Lynette, Brie, and Susan. And it's a very nice scene. It's great. We actually see some vulnerability for once coming from them. Mm-hmm. She, meaning Lynette, comes clean of what she's been doing with the medication. Yeah. How she doesn't feel good enough. She doesn't feel like a good mother. Yeah, she's... And they're so- being very supportive. Yeah. I mean, she said... The thing that broke my heart was when she said she's so sorry that her kids have her as a mother. Yeah. That, just, that broke my heart because she just feels like such a failure and she feels so humiliated because 
to her point of view, other moms, you know, don't need help. And the other women are being so supportive, like you said, and like being like, hey, these are our experiences, sort of sharing that like raising babies is hard and having that many at the same time is fucking hard. And like she's allowed to feel exhausted and overwhelmed, especially when like all tea, all shade to Tom. She's basically a single parent. Yeah. Like he is literally never around. Mm -hmm. Like raising that many children on your own is an overwhelming task that people should not have to take on like that's why being like i i grew up with a single parent and i was just one kid and being a single parent is fucking rough and for all intents and purposes like lynette basically is a single mom because tom just isn't there being a present parent for Mm -hmm. these children and so like yeah i'm glad that these women were here to sort of implore to her like it's not easy yeah you're not broken and they talk about how they should maybe do this more they should tell each other stuff more yeah because it's nobody likes to admit that they can't handle pressure Mm -hmm. but it's sometimes easier (laughs) to know that there's people who are going through the same thing sometimes it's easier to hear that you're not alone so that you know it better because you can know the concept like i know that like other people have these experiences and things but it's different like having the people around you be able to relate and like share those experiences with you yeah, and yeah, like Lynette's just like tearfully like we should tell each other these things. Like it would help. It would yeah. help me. It and makes you feel less alone rather than knowing you're not alone. Yeah, exactly. And I just thought the acting in the scene was beautiful. Like truly this episode is just a home run. Like it is such a incredible episode. And like and like these I think the performances just feel like so next level to me in the in this in this episode. And then we see Paul drinking and Mr. Shaw is Basically like, hey, it's the hoobs, baby. Mm-hmm. And Paul feels awful that they might have almost killed an innocent woman. Yes. <laughs> and Shaw's like, hey, this money is staying with me. And Paul's like, it's fine. I was feeling guilty anyway. And that's not what Mary Alice would have wanted. So just yeah. keep the money and just leave. And then we get the hoobs. She's closing the trunk of her car. She's got groceries. And Paul is right there. And he is looking at her very intensely. He offers to help bring the groceries in. She's like, maybe, maybe no, I'm okay. And he insists. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then we see quickly Susan is drinking a glass of wine. And and a square wine glass. Which I don't know if you noticed that. I did not. That's weird. Square cups? Not a huge fan. (laughs) Not a fan of square cups in this podcast. Anyway. But she goes to pour some more wine and makes eye contact with Mike, who's staring at her house. Also, he was... He had a screenshot from the TV show. I wrote that. Over-the-shoulder Julie shot. I wrote that. Like... I, I don't, every fucking TV show does that, where there's, like, photos of the people in the show in the show, and it's just, like, screen caps from the episodes. Why can't they just take a photograph of yeah, the person? I don't You're know. with them. You work with them. They're on set. I feel like every TV show does that, and I laughed out loud with the screen. I also wrote down the screen cap from, like, I'm pretty sure I know the exact yeah. screen cap, too. I'm pretty sure it's from, like, episode three or something. Yeah. So we see that from Mike, and then we cut back to... There's a lot of quick cuts, which yeah. I highly appreciated. I thought it flowed very well oh, in this moment. one specific one, and I know you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes. Where, yes, but it's later. Yes. So we cut back to Paul at the Hoobses. There's an aunt 
on his hand. She has an ant infestation. And he starts talking about these little black flies that used to be at his house and how Mary Alice couldn't even bring herself to exterminate those herself. She was such a kind person. She couldn't, she literally couldn't hurt a fly. And then he presents her with the letter and he asks why. Yeah. And then we cut quickly back to Susan and Mike is at her door and he's like, I don't want to lose you. I'll tell you anything. And then she's like, that's all I need. And she jumps on him and they are making out. Yes. I wrote, they're going to fuck. Yes, Susan. Yes. Susan, honestly, get it, girl. Get Get it. it. You deserve it. I also, real quick, I wrote back at the Hoobs Manor, which I just (laughs) want to let you know. That's what I called it. She fesses up pretty quickly. Yeah. She says her idiot husband died and left her with a small pension. So she was desperate for money. And she said that she wanted to take the money from a bad person. And she had no clue that Mary Alice's reaction would be suicide. And Paul's pissed. He shoots back. Like, she was a good person. And the hoop says, how could a good person leave her child motherless? Yeah. Like, what she did to that poor baby. She's talking very vaguely, mostly for the audience to keep us on our seats. Mm -hmm. And then she feels no remorse. No, she says, like, she did bad things. And you know it. And Paul fucking grabs the blender from the first episode and whacks her over the head with it. And then it's like this crazy scene of Paul choking the hoobs interspersed with Mike and Susan fucking Fucking, each other. yeah. I wrote, holy shit, this is good. It's so Um, good. The transition of him grabbing the hoobs' hand and you think it's her hand on the wall, but it's actually Susan's hand on the wall. That one, I was like, holy shit. It's kind of like the birth of a relationship mixed with the death of a woman. Like a birth and a death. <laughs> we must lose the hoops so that... We must lose the hoops so, so that, that Mike, Mike and Susan, Susan can fuck. Can rise from the ashes. <laughs> what, is their, what is their ship name? Um, Psych? <laughs> Moosin? Oh. I'll have to internet search a bit because I feel like they've got to have a better ship name. They have to name. have one. Well, alas, they, they rise from the ashes that is... Martha Hooper. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. What's up? I would have been happy if the episode ended with that. Mm. But there's like one more like small chunk of scenes with narration. Yeah. I would have been happy if it just ended there. I thought it it would have it would have kept people on their seats more. Yeah, but they do the little like where is everybody at the end of the episode? Yes. Um, but <laughs> I wrote Mike and Susan are fucking with like twenty U's. Yeah. I love that. Obviously. The hoobs dies in this moment. Um, yes. He wraps her in a rug. and I wrote, that's nice. He's wrapping her in a little rug. <laughs> a little ruggy. <laughs> and I kind of like that the monologue in the beginning is at the end again, yeah. but we have new context for it. I thought that was a really... That is very good. Juicy little move that they did. Yeah. Um, and the monologue... I is- think they're... I think both would be a good ending. You know, like cutting it there, but I do now that you're saying it. Yes, I agree. I really they were trying like the tie-in. to tie in to bookend, and and we see Bree reading the Bible and looking at Andrew. We see Paul cleaning the blood. We see Gabby making the choice to actually help give Mama a sponge bath. Yeah, uh, we know what Susan's doing. Uh, <laughs> I wrote. I'm really sad that the Hoobs is dead. Yeah, I am too. Um, should we do an in memoriam of like our favorite Hoobs moments? Yeah, I feel like that should be. I mean, like, pardon me for saying this too soon, but I feel like this week's reviews, we always ask a question, but I feel like this week, if you're feeling particularly juicy, mm-hmm. like, leave a review of us on iTunes and, or just, like, comment on our Instagram. Send us your favorite Hoobs' moment. Yeah, your favorite Hoobs' moment. We will have an in memoriam for Hoobs this week. If we get more than three, 
We'll read them at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yes. Or we'll do a, a, a mini mini sode. We should do a mini sode that's all oh, in, just in like memoriam. Remembering the hooves. Wait, we should totally do that. Yeah. So yeah, send us. Like, honestly, you can reach us through Instagram, Desperate Dykes, Twitter, Twitter. same handle. Our Gmail is DesperateHouseDykes at gmail.com. So like, truly, like, Send us your favorite hoops. Send moments. us your favorite hoops moments, and we will put together a hoops memoriam. Yeah, for the hoops. Yeah, in my book, Behind Closed Doors, Mark Moses, who plays Paul, said that Christine Estabrook, who plays the hoops, would do bits in between takes of them shooting this killing scene, and she would say things like, "I'm still alive. I don't want to <laughs> leave the show." Ugh, Christine Estabrook. Ugh, I love her. And yeah, I so yeah, let's do it. Let's do it in memoriam. Honor the hoops. She's such an integral part of our podcast so far. Yeah. I feel like we owe it to her to give her we a do. proper send-off. Let's do it. And then we end the episode with a kind of dream sequence of Lynette, and she sees an improving Mary Alice. It was very loaded. Like what I don't know. What I got from it was maybe Mary Alice is proud of Lynette for choosing to live. I don't know. It just felt like there was a lot you could interpret from that scene. Yeah. It was very short. Yeah. And the episode is done. And that's it. And we kind of already did our social media stuff. Yeah. Once again, you know, as we said, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Desperate Dykes. Let us know your hoobs moments. Follow us. Come say hi. Yeah. We love it. It makes my heart sing when we get like an Instagram comment. Yeah. It <laughs> truly like makes my day. It makes when my we whole see, fucking like, day. A new, a new review or just like a comment on Instagram or something. Anything. I love it so much. And I love that there's people who enjoy hanging out with us while we talk about Desperate Housewives. Yeah. I'm so glad that other people love this show as much as we do. We love you yeah. all for listening. So thank you. Uh, and something that's new is if you want to get to know us a little bit better and yes. keep updated on all the episodes, we have a website. We have a website. What? Oh, it's it's so it's so delicious. It's so Mackenzie worked so hard on oh, it. It's so you. beautiful. It's desperatehousedikes.com. So you can go to the about section. You can learn a little bit more about us and who we are. Uh, all the episodes are uploaded on there as well. Uh, we also have a link to a merch page because we yes! were like, "Yes, nobody asked. We answered. <laughs> nobody um, wanted it but us." But <laughs> we, we have like three shirts and like a, a stay juicy mug. Yes, we have some stay juicy merch. We have the Fairview Baha'i Abstinence Club, as we which mentioned. will be coming to me in the mail soon. I hopefully this week. Oh yes, we'll have we'll have modeling shots yes <laughs> and we have a desperate house dykes just logo um so i don't know if you if you want a fairview high abstinence club shirt then we made it and it is on yes. our website so hit up our website if you want to say hi again i don't know and i think that's all we got liz i think we just well my name is liz oh and you can find me <laughs> on any social media at the pigeon wizard and my name is Mackenzie, and you can find me at Mackenzie wilkes Oh, and there's only just a few things left to say. The first being, Mackenzie, I love you. Oh, Liz, I love you. Uh, and also to everyone else out there, stay juicy. Stay juicy. Stay juicy.